Arizona sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Matt Starks. Matt Starks. And Maximum Football. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome from the University of Florida, tackle Matt Starks. Well, now it's maximum football, and Max is already filling in for Wolf Max. So you, um, no pressure here, but this I, I would assume needs to be like the best hour in the history of radio. You up for that? I, you know what? I, I'm willing and able. I can't do a Wolf impression because you know I just don't have such such a great voice as the melodic tones of one Ron Wolfley. Um, but uh, but yeah, interesting. I, I, yeah, I'm going. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to do my best Did to make you, sure I live up to the hype. I feel like one time I was in here and you tried to do a Pantera call out. This was like years. I ago, did, and then you I were did. Like, and it, it was. It was. It was absolutely like just a dumpster fire, <laughs> and I hope we don't. And I'm glad we destroyed that tape. Uh, all right, the. Um, <laughs> I almost made a dumpster fire segue there, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to talk about the 2022 Arizona Cardinals and the team now going forward here. Max, uh, we've been talking a lot on the show today. Okay, how do you handle the draft? What's the first order of business? I I think the, the, the one of the things certainly hanging over this team is what came out in that ESPN story and take it for what it's worth. But ESPN doesn't usually just make stuff up to see how people react. There and this is not the first time we've heard this story or this this uh, you know rumor that there is tension between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray or that there has been or that they at least aren't on the same page right now or weren't for good chunks of the season and I think that part even if it's not as bad as some people are reporting uh, I think the the fact that they weren't on the same page enough I think that has been kind of evident so the question is. Can you fix that? And if you can't, whether it's Cliff's fault or Kyler's fault, Cliff's not going to be here. <laughs> because if you can't fix that, then what are you even doing? You're going to have to bring in somebody uh, that can. So I guess the, the first question with really anything you're going to do this offseason is how salvageable that that situation between the quarterback and the coach are. Here's Jeremy Fowler yesterday, and he was one of the uh, authors of that story along with Josh Weinfuss. I do believe it's salvageable, crazy as that sounds, because yeah, I've talked to some people in Arizona that, that I trust, and granted, uh, there hasn't been a decision yet on, on Kingsbury's future, but they think there's a path to Cliff Kingsbury staying there because he's had really no GM all season. Uh, it's been a personal department in flux, and they've had crazy injuries, so uh, and that could give him a pass here a little bit. We'll see, though. So I, I don't know. The, the relationship between Kyler Murray and, and Cliff Kingsbury is at the heart of the problem. That would have to improve somehow. Now, they have a lot of shared history, so maybe they can come to a sweet spot. And if they can get better offensive line play, better offensive line personnel, I think that could go a long way for both of them to just kind of feel comfortable because, really, they just couldn't move the ball all year, and, and that was part of the frustration. So if they're having more success, um, maybe, it, maybe it comes to that. Max, from your experience playing in the league for as long as you did how much of this is complicated like there's obviously complicated factors with the you know the injuries they've had and you know everything that's been going on with uh you know with Kime maybe not being around as much as he typically is this season and now he's not around at all um but just your experience playing how how much is the fact that Cliff is also the play caller potentially complicating their relationship 
you know, I I th- I, th- I think it's it, it's making it even more complicated because I think by them not having this relationship and having to have this kind of OC quarterback uh, relationship on top of him being the head coach. You split the you split the duties, you divide your attentions because as a head coach you still got to keep an eye on what's going on defensively and if you're not communicating with your quarterback, if you're not talking with the line and the receivers and the running backs and making sure tight ends are good making sure every all your adjustments are happening while the defense is on the field. You still have to be aware enough to be able to throw challenge flags, watch the defensive flow, make sure you're checking in with Vance Joseph about what he's seeing versus what you're seeing. Key critical decisions made, you know, on those third and fourth down and short situations. What are you going to do? What are you not going to do? And it's just, it's so much responsibility. And I get, you know, it, it was no vote because of the fact that you have, a guy like Sean McVay <clears throat> calling the plays and being all involved and hyper hyper looking like you know like a, like a like an overly caffeinated gerbil running on the sidelines trying to get everything done, <laughs> but you know for traditional teams and what sustained success looks like is you have the head coach and you have your OC and your DC and whether you want to spit it up between passing game coordinator and run game coordinator. Um, that's how you kind of have to be. And I think this experiment this year has really shown that if Cliff Kingberry wants to, if you want to continue to work here, son, you need to go get an OC. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, that's kind of the mentality. You need to go get a guy that either can implement your system or comes in with a system that you feel comfortable with, but he needs to do that. You need to handle more of your managerial responsibilities because you know, whether you have a kumbaya moment with Kyler Murray or not this off season, you know, you're probably gonna have to fly to Texas because he's not going to be back in Arizona unless it's for a checkup. Um, you've got to figure out some way to make it copacetic that you and the quarterback get along and that y'all can have free flow communication. But also there's a coordinator. You need the intermediary, right? You need the arbitrator. Uh, to be in between you. And that's what the OC position presents so that you have that go between as far as and allows both of them to do their jobs effectively with somebody in the middle that's actually a commands his respect, commands his attention, you know, um, and you can talk to him without it being on a headset for Call of Duty. Well, <laughs> well, the, uh, the the shot there, right there at the end. Um, look, it's I had, um, to, I had to. I had look, to. you are you're not above the uh, the low hanging fruit. That's that's Petty Crocker, baby. <laughs> uh, no, I've always just kind of viewed that dynamic as like, okay, you're the play caller. Well, you're almost you're almost peers at that at that point. You know, if you're the number one overall pick quarterback and it's your play caller, you're not you're not direct peers, but you can kind of have that relationship that Cliff and Kyler have have professed to have in the past when when things are going well that they are kind of it's kind of a peer to peer relationship but that's not the same relationship that you would have with the head coach is almost like your boss right i mean anybody anybody at work yeah. right now you will talk about certain things with with certain people you work with that you wouldn't necessarily go and and talk to your boss that way and i feel like maybe that line is getting blurred i'm not saying that this is the cause of all this by any means but it just kind of seems to be another Another reason on the list, yeah, of of what you're saying, Max, of like if if Cliff's going to stick around, if they go down that route, you probably have to bring in an offensive coordinator because why would you complicate this relationship any more than it already is? Yeah, because it has not worked. That's the other thing. It's not working. 
It has not worked. I mean, and you could say, oh, well, you know, look at the success they had at the beginning of, uh, of last season. Yes, but they always have good good situations at the beginning of the season. Then it goes stale, like bread that's left out after a couple of days. That's right? also going that, se- That'll have been two yeah. years by the time next season starts. Like nobody nobody's going to start next year being like, well, you know, the Cardinals were good at the start of twenty twenty one, so let's give them a couple wins. Yeah, exactly. So so I think that's where it has to be immediate. If you are going to stick with Cliff, there has to be coaching changes for you know below him. And let and, and and then of course you know if you bring in a new head coach, well, wipe the entire slate clean, and everybody has to find a new job, and you're going to have new guys coming in. But those those are your only two options. And like I said, we did that thought bubble exercise earlier in the show, trying to figure out well what's the tree of decisions that you need to do. That's 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 number two, right behind GM. You've got to figure out this situation. But with Cliff, the start and finish of this is. Who's your OC and who are the new assistants you're bringing in? And that's that. That's the only conversation we need to have. If Cliff's going to stay, if Cliff's not, hey, good luck, keep on trucking. We now to get need to get down to the search process because Denver's already gotten a jump on us. Yeah, and Carolina. Yeah, no, I mean you're you're right, and that's that. I I will keep coming back to that, and I'm I'm not going to come off that one. I don't want to fire Cliff just for the sake of firing somebody. If you're going to do it, that's fine because you are four and eleven right now. But you got to have somebody lined up, and and I, I don't want it to be a project of like, well, we really think we see something that nobody else sees in this guy. No, and and there and that may mean you pass up some very deserving candidates. But I think specifically with the Cardinals, if you're gonna make a change and not have to start completely over and go through these growing pains with a new coach that hasn't been necessarily a head coach before, you got to bring in a guy that's like that is an NFL head coach that has done it before and that immediately I'll keep coming back to this commands the respect of your quarterback because otherwise you're gonna be in the same spot in two or three years. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty, six twenty right now. We come back the Broncos say they still believe in Russell Wilson. Should they? We're going to go through the latest stories around the National Football League. we got fairly big-name quarterbacks getting benched today, too. Uh, Maximum Football continues next. It's Wolf and Luke. Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Dark. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Football. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. I love this headline, Max. Looking at Denver. And the, uh, the headline on ESPN was that the uh, the Broncos still believe in Russell Wilson. It's, it's, the, uh, the headline's been everywhere, but I'm just looking at ESPN right now. But the Broncos still believe that Russell Wilson is fixable. Um, maybe I'm being skeptical. Don't they have to believe that because they are tied to him no matter what for the next few years? Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> that, that, I don't know that that situation is fixable because... They just the, the fan base just already seems done with him, and that team has been a disaster this year. And yes, Nathaniel Hackett can take the fall, and a lot of it was his fault. But man, Russell Wilson has not looked like Russell Wilson in a while. He's Mister Unlimited. He's Mister Unlimited, Luke. Mister, Mister, Mister Unlimited. <laughs> See <laughs> that audio? We should go Yeah, Yeah. that's that's wearing thin in Denver right now. 
It's called the Danger Witch. Yeah, exactly. And it's dangerously good. <laughs> Maloney, uh, just, just let me let you know, I, lo- I love you, and I love the fact that you have those clips already fired up. It is Be amazing. careful, though. It's spicy. <laughs> Uh, oh gosh! The fact that we have a Russell Wilson folder. Right? I'm, I'm just, just I'm, makes, in this dark just, season, yeah. Max. I am so thankful that we've had the Denver Broncos to just be like, okay, at least we can laugh at them. Now, granted, they beat the Cardinals a week and a half. I was about to say, <laughs> be careful how much you laugh. <laughs> but but we can still have laugh a at them. Over them. Uh, yes, so we anyway. still laugh at them. Absolutely, but uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, th- th- this is one where. If we were doing betting odds, it's better odds that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray actually resolve this over a game of Call of Duty. Who's who's killed? Who's KD ratio is better than uh, than the Denver Broncos actually figuring out um, how to salvage uh, Russell Wilson? Yeah, you have you you have how much money is that contract? Uh, two hundred forty-five million. I believe Luke? so. It's up around two hundred fifty million. Yeah, yeah. Um, you better say that. <laughs> at this year, you better say you still believe in Russell Wilson. Or else you have a lot of dead cap money. You got to figure out, not a lot of draft picks. Well, to do it in the so reality is, you yeah, you, it out. you don't have the picks. I mean, you should have a top five pick right now. Denver should be in the in a position where it's like, okay, this season went bad, but at least we're going to have a top five pick and we can draft our quarterback of the future. You can't do that. You're stuck with this, and that fan base, you know this, Max. That fan base isn't yeah. really tolerant of just being told to be patient for a few years. I mean, think about how much. Yep. We few f- more years. Yeah. Think, think about how much more years. we freaked out here when, you know, earlier this season, and it's still this way, but it was like the Cardinals would lose a game and the fan base is like, man, we committed to this for five more years. Like every loss felt like six years worth of losses. That's here. And you can get out of your GM or your coach's contracts. Now imagine it in Denver, and they can't get away from Russell Wilson. Here's Damian Woody yesterday saying, look, you got to deal with the reality here, too, that Russell Wilson just might be done. Russell Wilson is cooked. <laughs> and I, I'm just being honest. I'm being, I'm being real here. Think about this. Like, Russell Wilson, like, you don't pay somebody a quarter of a billion dollars to look this bad. It's not like this is a foreign. This offense is a foreign language to Russell Wilson. He runs a version of the West Coast offense. Same thing that Russell Wilson had in Seattle. And so, like, I don't understand how you could fall off a cliff like that. I said it before. You don't just deal away franchise quarterbacks. Like Pete Carroll knew all along, watching Russell Wilson day after day, practice, games. He knew what he had, and he was willing to deal, deal him away anyway. That was a red flag, and then you hand, hand Russell Wilson a quarter of a billion dollars? Like, I'm sorry. Like, the Denver Broncos got suckered in this whole thing by, by the Seattle Seahawks. That's the best way to put it. Seattle absolutely suckered the Denver Broncos. And, and look, I think most of us thought, okay, Denver's getting Russell Wilson. That's, it's, you know, you look at the Denver team last year, they were pretty good other than quarterback, and now you go out and get Russell Wilson. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, how could you make that trade? But the reality now is Seattle absolutely fleeced them in that deal. Now, a couple other notes here around the NFL, uh, Max. This one coming down just within the last hour or so, Adam Schefter tweeting out that the Raiders are benching Derek Carr for Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett Stidham is their new starting quarterback. So I'm going to take that as the end of the Derek Carr era in Vegas. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's safe to say. Uh, 
you know, you had a very winnable game Saturday night uh, against the Steelers, and um, you threw three picks when you didn't need to throw three picks, and your offense looked inept, and you had the lead all the way up until the end, uh, and the Steelers beat you, and yeah, it's pretty much cooked, and Devontae Adams was a, really a non-factor in that contest. Uh Either it's Josh McDaniels or Derek Carr. And right now, Josh McDaniels says, I still got the keys. So guess what? I'm getting in a new car. So it's going to be the Stidham, it's going to be the Stidham mobile, uh, for these last two games of the season for the Raiders. And talk about another disappointing season. Hey, we could talk about it because guess what? The Cardinals beat the Raiders, so we can laugh at this one. <laughs> uh, take that, Raiders. <laughs> you take that, swashbucklers, up there in Las Vegas. Uh, we are better than you, and we have less issues than you do. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that that's something that, you know, Josh McDaniels, I mean, this this was obviously going to be a play at some point that Derek Carr didn't work out. I mean, that's the reason why you bring Jared Stidham from New England to Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels because you know he can go run your offense the way you want it to be ran versus retrofitting it for Derek Carr. We're better than you, and we know it. <laughs> Globo Jim. Uh, I haven't Love watched it. that movie in a while. Um, now, here's other news, too. The Commanders at quarterback. Going back to Carson Wentz, they have lost their last two. <laughs> now, they lost to San Francisco and the Giants. Not <laughs> San Francisco's defense is pretty good. Um, but either way, they're going away from Taylor Heineke. He's he's, he's going to have a shorter leash than the guy you went out and, and gave up everything you gave to get Carson Wentz. So, Carson Wentz has Cleveland. And Dallas in Week 18, Washington right now in the thick of that race for that final playoff spot, but they don't really have much margin for error anymore. So here we go, Max. The Carson Wentz era begins for like the 53rd time. Yeah, uh, boy. Hey, you got to be bad when you're like, okay, we're going back to Wentz. <laughs> Taylor Heineke, I mean, l- l- listen, I-, I love Taylor Heineke. Uh, he's been a great story. He's he's he- He's done a decent job, but... You know, you're talking about a playoff race. You're talking about, you know, where you were in this very hotly contested NFC East, and you're just not getting the job done. So, you know, time to flip flip it over to good old Carson Wentz and see if he can uh, if he can do something. Disavowed, now reavowed uh, with the Washington Commanders. Boy, that's got to be like you want to talk about a just motivational move right there. Like, hey, what are we doing here to, to, to save this uh, this season? Here, as we got two weeks left in the playoff run. Um, here, we're gonna bring in. Carson Wentz. <laughs> like that's like what's behind door number two. Not much is behind door number two. So yeah, from when from whence he came to whence he goes. Uh, this will be interesting because uh, hey, Carson Wentz just. I mean, you don't want to blame it on injuries derailing a career, but boy, it's hard to not say that. Um, He's an MVP candidate you know, a couple it, years ago with Philadelphia, like a legit MVP candidate. And he has not been that guy ever since. And now he's on his third team. Yeah. And it really <laughs> feels like this is the second time he's been with Washington this season because they benched him. I got one other one I want to throw at you, too. This is from Marcel Louis Jacques, who uh, covers the Miami Dolphins, and tweeted out before that, uh, per a source, the NFLPA has officially initiated an investigation into Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's second stint in concussion protocol. So Tua's not supposed to play this week coming up. Um this is now the second time they're getting investigated. I mean, Miami's 
I don't know. You think that's a playoff team? To me, they are. If they are a playoff team, they're done in the first round. Like they are falling faster than almost anybody right now. Yeah, they are. To, to quote Damian Woody, they're cooked right now. Um, they're a different team when Tua's out there, but you know Tua's long term health has to be considered in this. And you know if you want to continue to run the ruse that the player safety protocol is a real thing and not just a sham. I don't know how in good conscience you could even put Tua out there at any point the rest of the season, yeah. playoffs or not, um, for long-term health concerns. And I think that's why the NFLPA stepped in on this one. Um, you don't get that many concussions uh, in a season normally. Too close together. Too. Yeah, too, so close together. And the fact that you allowed him to get back into a game after he visibly stumbles on his own power um, is still something that boils my boils my skin. Um, you know, just just to see you know the video of that footage gets hit, gets up, and then stumbles forward, and has to have his offensive lineman carry him. I know that I know that you you can't sit there and indict somebody and, and say, oh my gosh, that's bad, that's horrible. You know, I, I'm not going to indict, but visually. That is horrible, and for him to get back into that game after being slammed the way he did is just negligence well, at that point. It's, I'll tell and, you what's... And I'm, I'm, I'm upset about that still. It's crazy, too. We're just reading some of the comments back to uh, Louis Jacques' tweet about this, and, and also a tweet about the from the NFL, their statement, okay, yeah, we welcome this uh, this investigation. It's just, it's just Dolphins fans writing back being like, well, why aren't the Steelers being investigated? Why aren't the Patriots being investigated? It's not really the point here. Like, to your points, Max... You got to worry about Tua's health, not for this game this week. You're not going to have a quarterback playing for you for very long if if they can't get this figured out. Because it, yes, other guys have had concussions. Man, these have been very visible ones to a very visible player, and they've happened way too many times in the span of like two months. So they got to figure that out first. Uh, when we come back, the Suns get revenge they were looking for over the Grizzlies last night. Sure felt like it there for a while. It's Wolf and Luke. Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That was a good win for the Suns last night to go into Memphis as beat up as they are and get a little revenge on the Grizzlies. That's a great feeling. You come out of that game, okay. And for me, like watching it, I'm like, okay, and Max Max Starks is in for Wolf today. Max, watching that game, I'm thinking, all right, this is that fight that we hadn't seen from the Suns consistently this year. That's a game last night they shouldn't win. Playing that game without Booker, Cam Johnson, campaign, Landry Shamick going into Memphis. You shouldn't win that game. But they did. And more than just the win and the fact that you are 20 and 15 instead of 19 and 16, it's the fact that you have that fight. Now, the update today, though, from the Phoenix Suns is that Devin Booker is going to be reevaluated uh, in four weeks, the official tweet from the team. Further evaluation has confirmed that Devin Booker has sustained a left groin strain. He will be reevaluated in four weeks. So now you got to look at the actual timeline here. You Six weeks from tomorrow is the NBA trade deadline. If Devin Booker's not even getting reevaluated for four weeks, I'm assuming he's not just suddenly back in four weeks in one day. Maybe. But you know you're not going to have him for at least the next four weeks. This does a lot to to what you're going to have to manage now going forward because 
you're gonna have to make moves if you're James Jones. You can't you can't sit around now and wait and kind of be like, all right, let's wait for the perfect moment. You got to move Jay Crowder at some point. You're gonna have to make other moves. I would think with the with the intention of winning the NBA title, still whether you can do it or not, you still have to be approaching this that way. And you're going to have to do it without ever really having seen your team as you imagined it at full strength before the deadline. Yeah, it's going to be shell game. <laughs> Trying to figure out where where the where the ball is between all of the different uh, shells. Um, it's it's intriguing because you know now it's another 15 games minimum that you'll be without Devin Booker. Um, before the re-eval, and then, like you said, another two weeks, and then you have deadlines. So you almost have to go and overshoot on some things, and try and and try and and try and move some things around because you're still going to need some some other perimeter help. Um, you know, you still need to look at how do you fortify the middle. Um, you, you've just you've got so many questions. Uh, you know, but I think having Dwayne Washington really step up kind of solidifies your backup point guard until you can get some guys healthy, um, you know, uh, with Shamit. But Shamit has to come back. He has to come back. He has to be healthy. Uh, Cam Johnson, you need him on the perimeter. And, you know, you need to trust. I mean, I, I love the fact that Akoji, um, or Kogi was, um, what was able to do what he did last night. And now he's starting to feel a little bit more comfortable, but, you know, if you're going to go on, you know, what potentially you need to go, what, eight and seven, you know, minimum while Devin Booker's out. If, you know, like you said, finish 500, um, if it's a little bit longer after that four week evaluation period, just to stay in this thing. But James Jones, I mean, you've been dealing with Jay Crowder since middle of October. Yeah, it's got to get done. Uh, it's got to get done. Like that, 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 that's number one. What are you now? The question is, what are you going to get from him at this point? Just get anything. It, get it another feels, body. It feels like you. It feels like okay. You're in school and you have this homework assignment that you've just been putting off and putting off and putting off, and that's the Jay Crowder situation, right? Now all of a sudden you got a bunch of extra work you didn't expect to have just got dumped on you, and this is why you wanted to get the Jay Crowder thing done when you when you could have because now that is just something else you have to get done. I mean, this this does a few things. First of all, and this is the least important of them, I will grant you that, but that, that's it. I mean, Devin Booker probably wasn't going to win MVP this season anyway, but I've been on the, uh, the the train that he should be in the conversation. He's not going to be even in the conversation if he misses this many games. He was. It's already an uphill battle if you are on the Phoenix Suns as opposed to the Boston Celtics, let's say. Um, the other thing this does, though, is it it takes the Suns, I believe kind of off the radar around the league. Not that teams are just going to write them off like, oh, they're, they're nothing. We'll just, but, but they're not really, you're not going to hear a whole lot about the Suns as being a title contender. There are a lot of Suns fans that believe this isn't, this team isn't a title contender anymore. And realistically, if you're not going to have Devin Booker for at least the next four weeks, this is going to make it real tough to be hosting a first round playoff series. Doesn't make it impossible, but this is going to be a different path to the playoffs this year than it was last year, certainly. I'm still of the belief, though, if you're James Jones, you have to manage this in a way where you're going all in. I don't know why you wouldn't. I, I don't. What's what's the point of, and I think he will, but I, I've heard this from a number of Suns fans, like the championship window's closed. You, know, you don't go all in now. 
What does that mean? You just sit here and make draft picks each year, and, and this is as good as you ever get? Like, it's it doesn't feel like it's open right now, Max, but if you get this team healthy, this is still a contender in a pretty wide-open year. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is, and but you, need, but you need to make sure that you clamp down and you actually get uh, this team in in place to be that. So what is the decision? What are... What are the options that you have available to you um, in this deadline? And I think you have to have um, you have to have that conversation. And hopefully, you figure that out with Monty Williams. What's the best course of action? Because you do need all of your ducks in a row before you go out in the trade deadline and figure out what are we going to do? What do we look like? What is our team going to be? Because if you don't, um, you know, like you said, you squander this opportunity, squander this season, and that that effective window, I I feel would would definitely shut on this squad if you can't get it under control. But at the same time, you know what? Once again, I, I just have to say this. I just have to say this, Luke. Um, not getting Jay Crowder situated is is just a huge fundamental flaw. Yeah, I, I don't um, I don't understand what the weight is. I really don't at this yeah, point. That, yeah, exactly. What I mean, it's not like his demands are ridiculous at this point, but at the same time, there's nobody out there. You mean to tell me there's nobody? Well, for a guy who was a starter for how many years, and 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 there's nothing you could come to that can put that 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 can make this a right or okay deal for you because it's literally dead weight hanging on hanging around your neck. That's kind of what it feels like now, right? It almost it, it almost feels like I'm not saying this is the case, but because it's gone on this long. It kind of feels like there are no offers for Jay Crowder. Now, I'm not saying again. I'm not saying yeah. it's the case, but it just when that when that story breaks right before the start of the season, for me, I was like, okay, well, you're either gonna you're gonna make a trade right now, or you know, maybe you'll wait a week or two into the season. You don't have to rush. You know, it's all about leverage. You don't want to be like, oh, we gotta get rid of him right now. They could show some patience. They have a good team outside of Jay Crowder. They can wait it out a little bit. But I'm not gonna come off this stance that the the closer you get to the actual trade deadline. His value, whatever it is, it's going down. <laughs> if some team wants Jay Crowder and you call them on December 28th and you're like, all right, let's get a deal done. Simple logic says they're going to have to offer you more than if you call them on February 8th and, and they know full well if they don't take your deal, you just get nothing for Jay Crowder and he just sits out the whole season. That's that's the most basic logic of, of, of playing the leverage game there is. So, yeah, you're going to have to move on from him at some point or bring him back, but that sounds like that's just impossible for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and, I, and I don't even know what the true reasoning behind it was, you know, why you, why you can't just bring him back. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I'm with you. What is it that, that makes this so untenable that it's not even an option? At this point, because I think you need all hands on deck um, as readily available as possible. And, you know, you would think that he would see this opportunity and say, you know what, I can come back here, whatever it is, and just make it work. But we're not even seeing that. And I think that's where it's even more head scratching in, in, in this whole process. Well, and now your issue is it's, you know, two weeks into the season, it was like, okay, they got to get something for Jay Crowder. They got to get some toughness, you know, on this team. Okay, th that's great. And you still need to do it. But now your issue is you got to figure out what you need to 
contend in the Western Conference this year, and you're going to have to figure it out while your team plays without Devin Booker and Cam Johnson and campaign and no Landry Shamit tonight. And it, it's you know it's one thing when hey Devin Booker missed two games with a hamstring issue. Okay, they can get by. You're talking about at least a month, at least four weeks. Four weeks from now, he gets reevaluated. In case you're just joining us, so if you're going to have to go through that, and you read off the schedule before Max, okay, Washington tonight. Well, that suddenly becomes like a game you got to kind of win because in this stretch, you've got two in or two against the Cavs, who are a pretty good team this year. You've got Miami in there. You've got Golden State. You've got Denver. You've got Memphis. You've got Brooklyn. These are all just in the next like three weeks. Of, and those aren't even all the games. Those are just the games where you're like, all right, they're going to be severe underdogs going into these games. Now, as we saw last night, they can win games where they are severe underdogs, but can they do it consistently? All right, we come back, back over to football. Just how likely is it that the Cardinals could actually land Sean Payton? We'll get into that. We'll get Max's thoughts. He's in for Wolf. It's uh, Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Maximum Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome, from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Final hour of the show here on a Wednesday afternoon. Max Starks is in for Wolf. It is the Wolf and Luke show. And Max, if if I have the math right, I believe there are basically three groups of Cardinals fans when it comes to the head coaching situation, okay? You have the group that wants to keep things status quo. And I don't know anybody in that group, but I'm sure there are some people in that group. Very small group. You have the group that just wants to fire Cliff no matter what. And then you have the group that wants Sean Payton specifically. And I have to think that last group is probably the biggest group by far of the three, don't you? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, any everybody wants a name brand, right? Everybody wants the proven success of what Sean Payton brings. The quarterback whisperer, right? He whispers to the guys, and he can get them to play out of their mind. You sound like Russell Wilson. But at right the, now. <laughs> oh, it's spicy. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so glad we had we had that folder of Russell Wilson. Oh, it's only um, growing everybody every uh, day too. I know, but but I I I think yes, that's your largest group because everybody wants the new shiny toy, right? When you drive by and you see this brand new car you're like man boy what what it wouldn't be to drive that thing you know what i'm saying like that's what that's what dealer row is all about especially if you drive up north Scott, scottsdale road heading towards the 101 you know you have all those nice exotic dealerships right there on the left right you got audi you got bmw porsche land rover mercedes this is back when you know, car dealerships had Lamborghini. cars on the lot where you, yeah you they actually had cars on the lot something to sell you so yeah. okay. so let, let's just remember yesteryear Wolf, I'm uh, sorry, Luke. Um, as I as I go on my wolf music, um, but at the end of the day, it's what is the best fit. Like, I love what Porsches and Lamborghinis look like, Luke. But guess what? I can't fit in any of those vehicles. So all I can do is look and wonder. And the reality is. I have to go into a sedan or an SUV like that. That's just where the way God created me. I have to. I have to go into one of those. As much as I would love to be in a cool sports car, I can't. I can't be in a cool sports car. They make those Lamborghini you know, that, SUVs. You get one of those. 
Yeah, once it gets still a little tight. Okay. Still a little tight. Okay. If I'm pay that much money, I want to feel comfortable. <laughs> I want to feel, you know, I want it to feel like a lazy boy when I sit in it, not not like, you know, skinny jeans. That's you know, I, I just I need it to be more comfortable. But um, but I think that's kind of where the Cardinals are as well. You know, if you're car shopping, you're coach shopping. Everybody wants that fancy looking one, but in the reality, is that what you need? Is that is what's going to help you long term? And especially when you know that there's other people that are going to be bit, biting for Sean Payton's attention, right? Dallas and New Orleans would be the front runners for that one. So it would take massive money and capital on your end to pull him away from that direction. And then, of course, will he even want that responsibility of what he's walking into? Um, I think that's the other thing you have to ask the question of. And so that's where I think there's other opportunities out there. There's probably better fits out there that can that that can do the same job, but also allow you to keep yourself within your constraints as opposed to having to give up so much to make sure it fits for someone like a Sean Payton. Well, and that's the thing. I, I wonder if we're going down this path where it's so many people have decided, okay, they're going to get Sean Payton. And again, maybe they will. Maybe they will. But how many times have we done this in this city in the past with with guys that were you know bigger figures than than Sean Payton certainly even with Kevin Durant this offseason you know but, say Kevin Durant comes to mind yeah and that one was a little bit different because you knew he wanted to come here but there have been plenty over the years even over like the last you know let's say ten years where it was like hey maybe are we somewhere this guy would want to come play or come coach or whatever now you have this this all-in mentality by a lot of the fan base of it's got to be Sean Payton or you know we're just going to be in the same spot next year. I will say this though, Max, I'm holding in my hands right here. I got the paper and everything. I feel like the, one of those old like late night shows where they have the top ten Ooh, list. I heard the ru- heard the rustling yeah. of papers. That no, means it's legit. We're all about real props here on the on the Wolf and Luke show. Um, I have this from straight from Vegas. They sent me this. The uh, the the six teams in terms of betting odds that are most likely to get. Sean Payton as their head coach next season. Now, I will say New Orleans isn't on this list, and I think it's... I don't really know why New Orleans isn't on this list, because there are reports he's going to go there and bring Tom Brady over. (laughs) So New Orleans is certainly a factor. But the six teams they have on this list, they have Tampa Bay with 10% implied odds. They have the Panthers with 11%. They have the Cowboys and Chargers both at 17%. They have the Broncos at 20%. And the frontrunners, according to Vegas, to land Sean Payton, are the Arizona Cardinals. At 29% implied odds. Now, the specific numbers don't matter, but it's just if this is an entity that builds these odds based entirely on how much money they can make off you, they usually have something behind them. And I was surprised the Cardinals were the favorites on that list. We talked about the contingent of Cardinals fans that uh, that were in the Sean Payton boat. You wonder if all those bets came from the, from those fans. Maybe right? that's it. That's true. <laughs> Vegas isn't that far. Maybe from that, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know, I mean, hop, hop. Well, don't hop on Southwest right now. Um, that is that's an absolute uh, <laughs> a show right now. Uh, but you know, they have they have flights there every every hour or so. You, you could you could catch Sky Harbor. It was a holiday weekend. Maybe you know one of my friends even went to Vegas for Christmas. Maybe that's when you drop the bet at the long shot casinos like Cousin Eddie and Christmas uh, you well, know well, Vegas maybe vacation. Maybe Drake right? dropped a million dollars on him like he did on uh, on Argentina in the World Cup final. He was just like, oh, I got a million dollars. I'll put it on one of these soccer teams. Exactly. Which I was so excited that Argentina won. But uh, but 
I, I digress. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I look at it, and yeah, it just doesn't make sense that New Orleans wouldn't be in there to retain the services, who actually has the contract with Sean Payton, um, to retain his services um, for a place that he knows he's had success. The The city absolutely loves him. Um you know, he is, he is the man there. He's the mayor when it comes to his decision making for that organization. Or do you step into something new? Um, I don't know if Arizona is, can be, outweigh those two factors, right? New Orleans and Dallas. Cause Dallas is, Jerry Jones is going to give him whatever. And money is no object to him because the guy's a billionaire and he, you know, he, he spends money on whims. So if Sean Payne says he wants it, guess what? He's going to get it. Whereas I think you have to be more judicious if you're the Cardinals and looking at how your structure is, how everything needs to be put together um, as far as, you know, what coaches are you going to bring in? How do they gel with the team, and especially Kyler Murray? Who's going to be that guy? Is it Sean Payton that's going to handle that directly? Or is he going to get an OC that can be that intermediary? And then also, which of the three quarterbacks do you want? Who's in the best position draft-wise to quickly get the squad that you want together. Those are all the things that, you know, have to be weighed by Sean Payton. And once again, I still come to the Cardinals being, you know, kind of 2B slash 3 in in all of that. I definitely don't think Broncos. I think that one's just, I don't know who wants to step into that one. That's going to be an issue in and of itself. I think that's going to take another newer coach coming in there or somebody that you can pull over that has had a relationship with Kyler Murray. Uh, I'm sorry, not Kyler Murray, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, Dan Quinn, maybe? I don't know. Um, maybe he goes to the Broncos. But it, it's got to be something to salvage that. But I think the Cardinals are sitting there. They're just right there at third. Not quite in first. Not quite in second. They're just right there, right behind both of those when it comes to the Sean Payton lottery. Well, and I think if you, if you're in that group where you're like, the Cardinals got to get Sean Payton. That's, that, that's just, that's the only way out of this. If you're in that group, then I think the two teams you really have to watch on the field here over the next few weeks are the Cowboys for sure. Because if the Cowboys go out there, and meltdown in the first round like they have a history of doing. If they do that again, then Dallas is absolutely in play. Jerry Jones, you really think Jerry Jones would be like, well, we made the playoffs, so I can't do anything crazy. Jerry Jones always wants to win right now. We had K-Ray in here last week. He was filling in. He's like, he's even got more of a sense of urgency than usual. So if you want Sean Payton in Arizona, you want Dallas winning at least a playoff game. And the other team is the Chargers. Now, they're in the playoffs, so that maybe is enough. But you don't want them to go out there and just get completely blown out in the first round and, and have them have questions because, to me, those are the two teams that are your biggest obstacles. Uh, and maybe maybe Sean Payton just has no interest in the Cardinals. doesn't sound like that, though. But uh, but if it's the team with Justin Herbert or the Dallas Cowboys that come calling, I don't know that the Cardinals can compete with that right now if they are even actually interested. They do still have a head coach right now. 